Hello, Film Files. We're back. You're back. I'm Jimmy Malone. I'm Stuart Randolph. I'm Ben Snowden. And this is Tuesday night. It's 9 p.m. And it's time for Movie Show Theater. In a world where movies are everywhere, these heroes will make sense of some of the world's strongest films. Jimmy, Ben, and Stuart. This is Movie Show Theater. So, this week was Ben's choice, and what did Ben choose? Hey, Stu, you're wrenching... Stu's gag reflex, apparently. You're wrenching like you didn't pick Battlefield Earth. You're never going to live that down. No, No. I... Hey, you know what? I willingly admit I picked Battlefield Earth for our bad movie episode, but... Now we are stuck talking for an entire hour about the Blair Witch Project. So, Ben shows the 1990 classic Blair Witch. 1999. Did I say 1990? Yeah. You did. Wow. That's going way back. Okay, well, it was the 1999 classic Blair Witch Project. We'll we'll argue about that, maybe. It's not a classic. Yeah. Well, real quick before we start. Not a classic. This is 90.7 WAZU. We're a movie show. We're a movie show. Um, you can find all of our past episodes at movieshowtheater.com. Um, and we're, we're liking the comments we're seeing on the Facebooks. There's the uh, WAZU Facebook and the uh, Movie Show Theater Facebook. So lots of ways to get a hold of us. Um, yeah. So I think that's pretty much it, I guess. I'm really interested this week because Ben picked the movie, but Ben doesn't like the movie. But I think maybe Ben appreciated, like, the uh, the importance of this movie, maybe? Or or maybe the cultural impact of this movie, maybe? Because I love the movie. You, and I watched well, it again. No, well, here's you, what... You love the movie? Love the movie. Here's, here's what I have to say before I get into the movie itself, what's contained in with the 83 minutes, however long it is. Brilliant marketing for the time, one of the first movies to utilize online marketing. They had a lot of people believing that the movie was actually real because they made The Curse of the Blair Witch, which is a fake documentary about a fake documentary. So this was well before the advent of widespread internet. Mm -hmm. So they had people believing. And as somebody who works for a marketing group, the marketing was genius. The only problem is... The movie didn't live up to the marketing, and they the mar- tried. Go ahead. Ben. I was just gonna, the last thing I was going to say is that they tried to pass it off as well, like most horror movies do, the most terrifying film of all time, mm-hmm. and then it wasn't. Okay, this was this was was a, a an eighty three minute build up for no finish. The finish was, spoiler alert, the finish was some doofus standing in a corner in a basement in an abandoned home in the middle of the woods. What was wrong with him? He was, I, I don't even. Tinkling? I can't well, even, I think it that... looked like that. It did. It looked like he was <laughs> going to the bathroom in the corner rather than it being some horrifying outcome. And the most telling thing of the entire film was, what? Oh, the most scary 
scary thing of the entire entire film is they wake up and find piles of rocks around their 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 tent or oh god forbid that there would be sticks in the mm-hmm. trees or there were rocks and sticks in the they trees they look like I just, people you ever heard sticks of, they hey do you ever heard of splinters those are pretty people <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so, so back to what Ben said, though. The marketing campaign was far more interesting, far more fascinating than the film itself. The film had no payoff. None. None whatsoever. Well, so there's a lot of reasons that I really enjoy this film. One of them is because, well, first of all, all of these found footage movies, which there was one in the 80s that was about a war. This guy had, uh, I think it was about it was about Vietnam. It was called, like, Pack u 4 like Pac U twenty or something like that, but anyway, so this was the first film that really utilized that. So you think about the found footage genre, and what you're supposed to be watching is uh, the lost tapes of somebody. So I mean, there's not going to be a classic three act, you know, conflict resolution sort of story. It's going to be very uh, discordant because it's you know there's not really supposed to be. Okay, an ending, I get. Really. No, I get that. No, I get that. All right, I I do. I get it. Because it's not something that somebody has quote unquote written, right? However, if you're going to build up to something that's supposedly horrific and awful and people have died and everything, then make it horrific and awful at the end. Don't don't have it be anticlimactic with some schmo standing in a corner. I, I mean, all you heard were I mean, there are there are films that work. It works very well to use atmospherics. It works very well to use ambient noise. It works very well to never see the bad guy or the evil or the monster until the very end. In this instance, you never know what's going on. Well, I love that you never see it. And it, by the way, I think what happened, and this hasn't been confirmed nor denied, but. I think Josh is who killed Heather and Mike. Well, there are tons of theories about that. But before we dive into that, too, at when you look at found footage, you can go back to the year, I believe it was 1980, there was a film called Cannibal Holocaust. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys ran across that in your research on Blair Witch, but... No. It kind of did Blair Witch before Blair Witch did Blair Witch. Cannibal Holocaust? And because of that name, it probably wasn't as known. It sounds like known. a Roger Gorman or something. Yeah, it but... was a trauma video, wasn't it? It was no. like one of the... It wasn't trauma? I don't believe it was trauma. Okay. It was, it was a more serious film. Basically, these that people so go bad. into, I believe, a jungle, and they find this cult of sorts... And everything goes to hell from there. Mm-hmm. But I think that was one. Of, that was one of the first ones to do um, found footage. But because of its name, and because at that time that was well outside of what was going on with like the slasher genre, that it never really caught on and hasn't really been appreciated. I think until you know, for better or worse, Blair Witch, that people looked back and said, "Has there ever been a movie like this?" Mm-hmm. And then I think they looked at Cannibal Holocaust. Some people who had, you know looked at those films in the early 80s and said, yeah, this this film did that. But I, I remember seeing parts of it, not the whole thing, so I can't say for sure how similar they are. Yeah. I, I can honestly say I've never stumbled across that. And I'll watch it. Goodness. I've never seen it, but I, 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 I saw that brought up. So a bit more on the marketing that's really interesting. Originally, uh, the the movie posters for this film, that they scattered it at film festivals, which in 99 were fairly scant. Um, were just the missing posters for the three actors. And Heather Donahue, uh, of course, they all played characters with their first names. So mm-hmm. her mom were, got sympathy cards in the mail <laughs> apologizing <laughs> and, like, wishing their sympathies for her daughter. Wow. And, okay. you know, they 
it, it was it was done so well that uh, that's hilarious. Long after the film came out, they were interviewed. People were still thinking that these kids were still that missing they were in the dead. Woods. Yeah, and I, I remember seeing them, the, the movie in the in the theater, and I mean, I was fourteen. Oh. Uh, let's let's make sure of that now. So yeah, I was I was fourteen. Should not have seen this movie. But I, when I was twelve, why not? Why not? No, why yeah, not? why not? There was nothing about this movie there was that a fourteen-year-old couldn't have handled. There was like some 193 f bombs. Okay. Yeah, there was language, but and outside and of at that, at fourteen, you'd never heard no that nudity, word before. No nudity, no real violence. Yeah, I well, think. This I mean, is true. seriously. I mean, you not only could have handled it, you probably could have written it at that point. Well, Let's be that's honest true. with ourselves. Well, I mean, I, after I th- watching Four Rooms. <laughs> All right, seriously. <laughs> so. I like this for a lot of the reasons that I like the Mothman prophecies, which was a really overlooked uh, uh, Richard Gere thriller. Right, right, so right, right. So there's a couple scenes where the dialogue is, is written well, and it's portrayed in a way that— Was it written? Huh? Impro- was it written or improvised? No, it was written. No, it was written, yeah. But, like, uh, Will Patton is in it, and I-, I realize this isn't on Mothman prophecies, but the whole idea that— if you do not show the antagonist, if you do not show what people are terrified of, that is so much more effective for certain people because what you imagine is far worse than what could have actually been portrayed. So when they filmed this movie, they filmed it in eight days. Uh, the actors all had one GPS unit that they shared, um, and they they were left food every morning. And over the eight days, each morning, they were fed less and less. You're talking about Blair Witch. Yeah, yes. Blair Witch. Right. So... They would get notes from the director. I guess originally Mike and Josh got really uh, annoyed with Heather because she was really bossy and blah, blah, blah. And so... Which is translated throughout the entire film, obviously. Because, yeah. Because, I mean, by the end, they're just like, just fed up with her and her quote-unquote directions. Want to throw her into the creek. Yeah. So I, there was a really basic with treatment... Uh, the map that got kicked. Yeah, exactly. Ha, 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 ha. Which, that, that was one of the few parts I'm like, e- even in his most frustrated, like, delusional state, I, I can't believe that you would actually kick the map. I do the... believe he would eat a leaf. I yeah, that was Mike pretty funny. I yeah. kind of like their slow descent into madness. It's kind of believable. Okay, if it had been a greater descent into madness, then I, I guess I would have been more appreciative of this. This is more like I am mildly, mildly afraid for a few days when I'm lost in the woods. Mm-hmm. I, it, it, okay, mildly afraid up until the very end when people start disappearing. Then you, then it kicks things up a little bit. You know what? There's There are very few places in this country where you can get completely lost for that amount of time and be afraid for never coming back. Mm-hmm. Very few places in this country. And I'm not sure. Uh, where, where exactly was the geography of this? Well, it was supposed to be in Maryland. Um, okay. Well, they were in Maryland. Seriously, yeah. you could walk across Maryland in a day. Well, isn't, the, isn't part of the Appalachia goes through Maryland? The very northern top of it, maybe, but again, I don't well, believe the they were, they were nowhere near the mountains. Yeah, miles. I don't believe they were in. I mean, just judging by the, the film itself. They'd had some, you know, slopes, but most of it seemed relatively flat. Yeah. You know, it didn't thought, seem to be married. Mar- you know, I, I mean, thought was hilarious. They, all they would have had to have done is, it, and 
they had a compass. They don't need a map. All they would have had to have done is pointed it towards the east and started walking. They would have hit the ocean at some point and then walked down the coast. They also had point. a book called How to Stay Alive in the Woods. What uh, the hell? They never cracked that book as yeah. far as I was concerned. Or follow I mean, the stream. Follow the streams or anything else. What so, we're forgetting is the rocks, which were probably placeholders for those seven dead children killed by the Blair Witch and what was it, Rustin Parr? Mm-hmm. Uh, they threw off the compass, man. Yeah. And they, did, do I need to mention how many times he said, man, man? It's yeah. like every third sentence was like, man, look at all yeah, these trees, Mike, man. I am so hungry, man. Yeah, I just Mike wanted to punch got, all of them except for Heather because she's a woman. The two dudes. No, I, I would have punched her, the, too. I'm I don't sorry. Think I, I would have punched, punched her, her square in the mouth. I would have been like, shut up, sit down. <laughs> I just would have sprinted Stu's away. Stu's opinions now <sighs> reflect those of WAZU 90.7 and or movieshowtheater.com. Whatever. So, uh, yeah, there were... I did want to mention one thing. Yeah. The, the the only part of the film I thought was somewhat effective that I actually got into was the beginning of the film when they were interviewing the locals. Mm-hmm. It was interesting to learn about the legend. Uh, it was interesting to speak to the people who knew about it because they gave the exposition that was necessary. And that's where that reflects, you know the core of horror films or I should say some of the cliches that you get where you have the, the people warning you, hey, don't go into the woods. The fishermen saying, mm-hmm. yeah, if you go into the woods, you might disappear like all these other people did. Mm-hmm. That that was a perfect hook. That was great. I had no problem with the first part of the movie because I was like, okay, now I'm a little intrigued. Mm-hmm. And I, I'll admit, I've seen this movie two times. Right after it came out and came out on video for the first time. Yes, kids, video, not DVD. Video. VHS. Ooh. And... Last night or two nights ago, all right, and maybe it was because I was suffering from a fever dream or something like that because I'm fighting a cold. But I, I sat there and I was watching this again and I thought, okay, this doesn't start out horridly. It doesn't start out poorly at all. As a matter of fact, it has a great deal of potential. Then you throw these two brain or these three brain dead filmmakers into the the woods. And they appear to just be wandering about for the next hour. They're just wandering about for the next hour, screaming at each other. So, how long into the film did you did it? Did, were you like reaffirmed, like, oh, yeah, I wasn't wrong? It took me about a half an hour. Yeah, it was about a half an hour because it's about twenty minutes of that introductory stuff. It's about twenty minutes of those of what you were saying, Ben, that hook. Mary that, Brown. Yeah, exactly. Mary. The when they went to she see had Mary this Brown, she's hair, kinda, and she just had this. Hair from head to toe? Oh, geez, yeah. I, I know. really liked it. I'm making fun of it, but I thought that was fantastic. Uh, I, I think those, those are cool. people did so good, so when convincing. They, when they but talked then, about her feet not touching the uh-huh. ground, that was a good touch, too. Like, you get this vision in your head, like these details that you can almost see her in your mind. Yeah. You get to those You get to those three, though, in the woods then, and you lose all of that legitimacy. You lose all of that magic. You lose all of that interest. Yeah. Because those three, as characters, I'm sorry— they're not interesting people. <laughs> if you could have folded had... those three actors and gotten three different ones, do you think the movie would have had the same... Do you think it, it could have redeemed no, itself? No, you, you would have had to have had three completely different unknowns in order to pull it off. Well, sure. It would have had to have been nobodies, right? And and I'm not bagging on them as people, obviously, but in this in particular case, they just didn't fit the bill. They I, they didn't fit the bill for me. They were I, I was bored watching them. Oat. Meal with no butter and no brown sugar. Just you don't. Is it to me? It's like oatmeal or, or just the oats. 
you don't even put water in them. It's just like chomping on them. Are you, you know, having a mini stroke? Or are you trying to make? Yeah, what's the O'Neill no, in reference to them? How bland oh, they are! Oh, how plain yeah, yeah. they are! Oh, it was yeah. an, an analogy. <laughs> mm. oh, and all right. yeah, okay. I, I could see them, you know, trying to stretch, but you could tell when they were stretching, you know, trying to be uh, annoyed, frantic, angry. It, it just didn't seem to come across because I was just sitting, kind of like with my hand on my chin, or almost dazing off into sleep, you know, mm-hmm. and. I didn't want to because I tried to watch all the horror movies that are considered important. And, and it was your suggestion that I we know, did this movie. I know, but I, you're missing the point here. It's, it's it's that a lot of people have this high on their list of greatest movies, and it's very divisive. I wanted to do this one because, yeah, it is important, and it also spawned a lot of bad found footage horror movies. And Well, it's this trend that's still continuing. I mean, okay. you, right. you put out a piece of crap, film it with a handheld— Say Paranormal 10, it's box office gold. Guaranteed box office gold. Cloverfield did it. Uh, Cloverfield did it better, though. Well, yeah, I mean, that's hard to compare because it's totally different. Well, sure, but I mean, that's not, I mean, that's a a large scale invasion movie shot on a very independent scale. And it's J.J. Abrams, besides the fact. I mean, everything he touches, hopefully, Star Wars, hopefully turns to gold in Mm -hmm. this case, you know? But again, it, it. I, I appreciate the fact that this was one of the first widely recognized found footage films that broke broke boundaries, changed how films were made, allowed for independent filmmakers to pick up their camcorder, go out into the the bushes, and bang around for a couple of weeks putting footage together and hopefully have something. I appreciate that. I think that's wonderful. It's nothing but good for film. That doesn't make it a good that's movie, a though. Those are two separate entities for they you. Are I get that. They are two separate entities. They, mm-hmm. This opened a door to others who could take the medium and make it better. Mm-hmm. And it has been done so much better since this film came out. Mm-hmm. It, infinitely better since this film came out. I would even say that if they came out with a paranormal 25 eventually, it's still going to be better than Blair Witch Project. Yeah, see, I don't, I can't, I can't imagine. I watched this the third Paranormal Activity, and I and I tapped out, and I I couldn't, do, and I love found footage. So what what you talked about, why you were, I guess, why you respect a certain aspect of of the production of this film is really why I love this movie in general is because it it combines all these things that turns me on so much about film with like you know creativity and. And, you know, for every dollar that was spent on the production of this movie, they brought in tw- like twelve, tw- like $12,500. Absolutely. I yeah. mean, and that's phenomenal. Like, yeah. Congratulations to them. I mean, but that is lightning in a bottle. Mm-hmm. You're going to catch that almost never. Right. And yet, in this case, it happened, and congrats to them. Now, if you, and, and I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, Jimmy, but again, it's like, look at, look at these three characters, look at these three actors. Have you ever seen them again in anything else notable? Mm, she was in Boys and Girls. Well, she continued working at Steak and Shake after Blair Witch Projects. I think they all got like 200 bucks for, that was for it? being in it. Oh, yeah. They, they signed no contracts which allowed them to take any of the royalties or anything else from it? No. But, I mean, this Shame film, it, 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 it's she's a great a, in she's theater. She's a marijuana but... farmer now. She is? Yes. 
Heather Donahue is a marijuana farmer. They have. No, she wrote a book about it. She wrote a book about it. Then. No, I'm not worried about it. It'll be legal. I think she's taken care of right now. All right, guys. Come yeah. on. She'll be. Do, she'll be just. She's fine. feeling just fine. Yeah, I, I don't know. Theory. I don't know where the the what the follow up contracts were for that. I mean, I'm no, sure. No, I would they got... have to. I would have to think that they got nothing at that point, and the the two directors were just like, "Woo, money bath, woohoo!" Yeah. Scrooge McDuck. Well, Scrooge McDuck jumping into yeah, golden no coins, kidding. right? Golden <laughs> coins, which. By the way, mentioning that, he would have died. I mean, yeah, seriously, eat, yeah, he would have died. Suspension anyway, of disbelief. Suspension of disbelief. Anyway. It's kind of like when the cartoons eat a six-pack, you know? Or, like, they open it, and oh, they, and like, then, yeah. drink the beer, right. and then they, yeah, that, yeah. That, that doesn't make sense. So while we're talking about horror, uh, I wanted to mention a couple other films, horror films specifically, that came out in 99. Try to hold on to the seat of your pants. These films are phenomenal. We have Bats. We have Candyman, Day of the Dead, Children of the Corn, 666, Isaac's Return, Deep Blue Sea, End of Days, From Dusk Till Dawn 2, Texas Blood Money, The Haunting, not can be confused with House on Haunted Hill, which is the same film, except Chris Kattan was in House on Haunted Hill, and that was Horrible. Wait a second. I thought there were there were there was the original haunting and then the remake of the haunting. The house on Haunted Hill I thought was different. Yeah, like, the house on Haunted Hill had Jeffrey Rush and Chris Kattan and uh, uh, Tay Tay Diggs, and the haunting had that was kind of a was it Liam one. Neeson? Yeah, Liam Neeson, Neeson was in hey, the haunting. Jimmy? Right, the Sixth Sense. Yeah, no joke, okay. man. I'm looking okay. at the best of instead of focusing on the. <laughs> I was going to say because all of those films, with the exception of maybe the Sixth Sense, which was the only M. Night Shyamalan film that I ever was enjoyed I'm surprised you didn't like Unbreakable. Uh, it, the concept was good. Yeah. No, the concept but was But that wonderful. was another one that didn't have, probably you thought it didn't have a lot of payoff. It was a very subtle... No, the, I mean, that's the point. It yeah. had no payoff. But uh, again... That's in the that, point. You... No payoff. Anyway, sorry. Go ahead. So, yeah. If I'm going to watch a film, I want to get something out of it. Yeah. And and, and in this case, not, you just mentioned a whole slew of films where... Uh, what a horrible year for yeah. horror films. I mean... Yeah, it kind of makes you want to no, watch Blair Witch again. No wonder that Blair Witch took off and exploded because people were starving for something original, new, different, whatever you want to call it. Like The Matrix? Okay, great. Yeah. Absolutely. Is that 99 as well? Mm-hmm. But Blair Witch didn't even yeah. make the top 10. I mean, it's... Oh, Which, I was just I was just going to say you guys aren't surprised. I, I'm really not no. <laughs> uh, I mentioned I mentioned during our last episode, I believe in sequels and our aliens oh my our aliens episode was like a sequel to our Terminator Indiana Jones yeah. episode. Was, I believe yeah. this is like a sequel to our Halloween episode except two of us don't like the movie at all. Yeah. Which is kind of a first that other than the bad movies well, episode. Well, I mean, look at... Here's well, the, the bad thing. movies I can, episode. I can smell the tension. Okay, but I, I think didn't, that's the tension. I, don't, I didn't hate Reefer Madness. I think yeah. Reefer Madness actually has a lot of historical, a lot of cultural, satirical value. Yeah. And I'll be honest with you. I had this conversation with my dad over the weekend. We were talking about uh, the bad movies, and we were talking about Blair Witch Project. And, and when we started talking about Reefer Madness, my dad was like, oh, that film is just outrageous. Now, my dad was a... A professor of, of of health education for thirty years, he loved Reefer Madness for the for the very reasons why everybody else does, because it per- portrays a stereotype of what people believed at that particular time, and and again, it, it's it's outrageous to me that mm-hmm. people still hold on to those stereotypes. Excuse me while I frantically play a piano. 
because exactly. of the reefers. Maniacally. Or they're standing there and just like this. You're just smoking behind the door and he's got that look on his yeah. face where he looks like his head's going to split in two and the devil's going to pop out or whatever. Yeah. I mean, it gives me a chuckle every time I see it. But, I, okay, and then coming back to this horrid steaming pile of a movie as far as I'm concerned – there's no redeeming value other than the fact it did change how independent films were made to some degree. It opened a door. It did nothing more than that. Mm-hmm. It didn't show the way. It didn't point the how. It didn't give a guideline. It just opened a door. And others walked through it and made it better. Thank goodness for that. Mm-hmm. But that, I mean, it, that's the best I can say about this film. Well, I really like that the directors, Eduardo Sanchez and Daniel Myrek, they didn't, you know, obviously, not only did they choose no names, they chose people who had never acted in their life because they didn't want them to act. They wanted them to be. They wanted them to be lost. They didn't want them to act like they're lost. And I've met film students, and they're not Tarantinos and Spielbergs walking around. They're arrogant. They're very entitled. They don't do a lot of planning. A lot of times they are lazy and they're slackers and they're waiting for their big break. Um, and I, I think these actors did a, a pretty good job. I mean... For not being actors, they were fine. Mm-hmm. I still, personally, I think they should have shelled out a couple of hundred more dollars. Yeah. Hired some people who were actors. Mm-hmm. Even at maybe, the local level. Exactly. Even. Maybe like some maybe people have may, been in a few plays. Maybe make it be a little more believable than just three schmoes in the in the woods for mm-hmm. the amount of time that they were in the woods. And then and again, I, I, I hate to sound like I'm bagging on them as people because they're probably great. I mean <laughs> They she, love their mothers just like we exactly, all do. Exactly. But again While snot flies out what? of their noses. Yeah. Well, okay. okay yeah, Todd, that, let's talk about that. Right, that yeah. much lampoon scene yeah. where uh, how the many... camera's pointed right at her at that point and I, wa- I, was, I, I, I got my movies mixed up because I expected the snot bubble but that's a that's purely an like a scary that movie. Was scary movie. That yeah, was a scary been... movie lampoon of that that wasn't this and I was like waiting for it waiting for it Waiting for it, and no snot bubble. Well, if you look at 1999, <sighs> I believe The Matrix was the only movie that was parodied more than The Blair Witch, but it's, Truly. it's like mm-hmm. a neck-and-neck neck race. Yeah. I mean, how many that, times do you see a terrible... Uh, but The Matrix was a good movie. Yeah. At least the first one. At least the first Cost one. Cost a little more than 20000 I'm yeah, pretty sure. Yeah, a wee bit. Yeah. More. Yeah. So, they saved money by using the Dark City sets, though. Bam! Yeah, there you go. Oh, no. Please see previous episode. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so Easter egg. Yeah, exactly. Easter egg. <laughs> so sometimes you watch a movie that that kind of evokes a a memory of like personal experience or something. Like Open Water was a movie about a couple that gets lost off of this scuba trip and gets stalked by sharks. And um, that's kind of a quote unquote found footage film too. Yeah, except that that nobody's holding a camera. Nobody could hold the camera. <laughs> it's on, me and it's my, on an alligator's face, <laughs> right? So me and my me and my parents and sister went to Mexico a year before we saw that, and we went on one of these uh, like surface uh, snorkeling trips. And the boat in the movie is a lot. I mean, this could very easily happen. And this movie, Open Water, was very effective with me. So I saw Blair Witch in 99. I was 14. When I was 12, I went to day camp, and we took a day trip to uh, Carbondale. Sure. um, To Garden of the Gods. Mm -hmm. So we had a group of, like, five kids, and our camp counselor was this 
total tool who was always hitting on my sister, and I'm pretty <laughs> sure that he would come to camp uh, stoned. Um, but anyway, so, and also, there was a female camp counselor who oh. I t- was totally crushing on. Oh, well. Yeah. Well, okay. Yeah. Fair enough. So, uh, I don't know what happened, but we got lost, lost. Just me and this female <laughs> camp, <laughs> camp counselor. And I realize really? it's Carbondale or not in the <laughs> Appalachian Trail. <laughs> so I cut my leg and she ripped off part of her shirt to make a tourniquet. <laughs> Crystal Lake. Yeah. Which is in Illinois. No, anyway, so the point is I truly remember being terrified. I mean, we were out there for hours and it, the sun was setting. You it was starting to get dark. Yeah. Okay. It was starting to get dark. We heard the faintest of faint of car horns, which was like the rest of the group back at the site. And it was coming from everywhere. She was like, Where's it? I have no idea where it's coming from. It's literally coming from every direction. So every five minutes he would honk the horn and, you know, eventually he ended up uh, finding us. And um, But anyway, so I remember watching this movie and, and maybe because I had this dramatic um, experience. With yeah, the and like, it's not, it wasn't enough counselor. to give me. Yeah. Wish I could go back. I'm just I'm with just, your knowledge now. I'm just kidding, Anna. <laughs> That's not gonna make it to the final. Uh, yes, it will. Yes, it will. Might. Yes, it will. Yeah, it I'm better. sorry. It better. So can can I have a conversation with Anna through this episode then? Yeah. No. Hey, Anna. Uh, how are how are George and Sheldon doing? I hope they're purring a lot. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, they're good. <laughs> so I guess uh, we should Sit get animals. into the fan theories because I find this to be really interesting because when I watch the movie The End, I noticed that there's a lot of scenes where the camera, she's holding it, you can hear her voice, and then a couple minutes later you can hear her scream somewhere else in the house, and there's been no, like... Well, she didn't stop screaming. Yeah. Since towards the end? Yeah, like You're in right. the house. She didn't stop screaming at all. <laughs> so the scene right when they run out of the tent and she goes, What the... Is that? What is that? What that actually was Josh! was a grip that was off in the distance with a yeah. white ski mask on. That's really? all. That's all it was. So Wasn't as the she's Slender yelling, Man or Jason or no, but I think that's what's so great about it is because Loch if Ness the camera would have panned over and showed this witch, I mean, it would have been like, Swamp oh, thing. okay, well, no, I'm not scared. But when she says, "What is that?" I'm Swamp like, thing would have been awesome. Like racking my brain for I everything. Loved that. Yeah. I'm sorry, Jimmy. We're no, that, no, that's okay. No, I, it's, it's, I, I'm sorry. Go I, ahead. Ben. I read the I read the fan theories too. Like when you when you have a movie like this, even if you don't like it, sometimes it's interesting to read the fan stuff to see what they're thinking. And I I read through some of those because you know some people think it's Rustin Parr, uh, some people think it's uh, Miss Kedward herself, the Blair Witch. Some people say, oh, it was Josh the whole time. He cracked and just killed his his you know fellow filmmakers. Um, some people think it's Mary Brown or just the townspeople in general. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's pretend for a moment that I like this movie. What was the damage of the individual in the basement at that point? Was he just standing there waiting for them to show up? Was he truly mesmerized? Was he well, truly it goes, evil? It goes back to the story. What do you think? It goes back to that interview at the beginning of the film when where Rustin, talk- Rustin Parr would have these children stand in the corners of mm-hmm. the basement. So, Oh, that's right. So one yeah. would stand in the corner while the other one, okay, thank you, while I, the other one was being killed. Which I thought it was a nice touch, but then there's no conclusion. Like I was like, yeah. oh, maybe this film's going to do something. It's going to redeem itself somehow. The then, very ah. least, what could have ended, the way it could have ended, instead of just showing the kid guy in the corner and then cutting to black, what they could have done is shown the guy in the corner 
had the camera flip out of her hand, land on the ground in such a way that you see her fall to the ground and a shadow looming over her or something, anything. You wouldn't have even had to have shown what was happening to her. All you would have had to have shown was... The camera's on the ground. It magically, as far you know, as film usually happens, it ends up focusing on her, and then you see just the shadow, and it's looming over her. And even if it was an arm coming down or anything mm-hmm. else, that would have been a better payoff. That there would was, have been a payoff. There was a, a different ending in what the original. Was it? I believe it was a child's hand grabbing mm, Heather's yeah. hand and dragging her. Okay, going that back would have been to creepy. grabbing back to going back to the uh, the Rustin Parr story of him putting the children in the corners, and apparently those like going back to two like those seven uh, piles of rocks or stone markers for the seven children who were mm-hmm. even creepier, murdered. even creepier. Dude in the corner standing right next to him, a child standing facing the corner with him mm-hmm. would have made more sense. Or would seven, have, or all the children, or all the children, or whatever it was, it would have made just that much more sense. I, the hair on my neck would have gone, bleh, and I would have been like, ah, yeah, great ending. Weirdo in the corner, no explanation. Don't remember the beginning because you've had this hour of nonsense in between to get to this point. Sorry, no, no, yeah. All right, well, if you're just uh, finding us, this is Movie Show Theater. We're on WAZU 90.7. We're talking about one of Stu's favorite films tonight. It's called The Blair Witch Project. Uh, he's, wearing, he's wearing a Blair Witch Project. It's, no, it's not just a Blair Witch Project t-shirt. It's an I Heart Blair Witch Project forever, ever, ever t-shirt. It's true. It's true. It says I Heart Rest in Par. Uh, if you go to movieshowtheater.com, you can find all of our other past episodes. You can uh, listen to them online or you can download them. Uh, we're on every Tuesday at 9. You can find uh, the Movie Show Theater Facebook. You can also uh, find the 90.7 WAZU Facebook. Uh, find us and leave a comment. Give an idea if there's a movie you want us to watch, if there's something big that we missed in one of these uh, oh, yes, definitely. Pro- probably not this one because I think we'll be able to talk about pretty much every scene because <laughs> this movie was 83 minutes long. It yes. was, no, every scene. It was one continuous scene in the woods. Yeah. Well, you know, it was like, so let's grasp what I'm trying to say here. One One reason that I love film is that it's so subjective, you know, this whole discussion that we're having. Oh. Ben's not wrong. Stu's not wrong. I'm not wrong. You know, where you're entitled to have whatever opinion about about movie, really any you know channel of art. But um, this movie, whether you like it or not, it was very effective, and and the money that it made, and you know, it scared millions of people, billions. But there's no jump scenes in this film, not one. Um, and I no guess no gore uh, really, except for that bag of teeth. Yeah, which I when that's I first gory. saw it, that's just weird. There's that some was blood. Gory. Uh, There's some blood. Yeah, just a little bit. Not one of those overtly gory. Just things. weird. Yeah. So they actually did get lost several times. Which, by the way, I think it's funny that this trip would be so poorly planned out that they do their first graveyard scene and then they do the coffin rock, set up camp, wake up. They're like, "Yeah, we're lost." I know. I'm not gonna lie to you. We started off the map. I have no idea where I am. And when I first saw this movie, I remembered Heather as, as somewhat of a of a ringleader, but she's like 
guilty of the worst possible crime because she never knew where they were. You know, she... I didn't know. I think at the beginning she did, but let's be honest. She pretended to know how to read the map or pretended mm-hmm. to know how to get them to the other spots, which she didn't. Mm-hmm. I mean, that became more and more obvious, regardless of whether the map got kicked into a stream or not. But I, I think, you know, as as they continued on, it, it was... And this is... The, oh. There's a super. I mean, there's a possible uh, supernatural influence to which you may factor in. You know, that's kind of what I was thinking too. But there was too, no. Like, there was never any strong evidence to support that yeah. supernatural influence. It could have been a couple of rednecks in the woods. Excuse me, people of whatever redneck nature or whatever. But the I, I swear, of Appalachia. You know, I mean, yes, <laughs> <laughs> folk of the mountain or whatever. I swear, but mountain it could gold. have been. It could have Pretty been sure that's anybody a folk group from the seventies. Exactly. Folk, Folk of, of the, the mountain. mountain. <laughs> anyway, it could have been anybody the at that point in those woods messing with them. Yeah. And 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 just they're off they're off screen always just going Look at these guys. This mm-hmm. is ridiculous. So, I mean, it could have been the two fishermen. That in my mind would have made it that much more interesting if it was the two fish fishermen messing with them the entire time. I dislike that it's not like concrete it's not i don't know sometimes i watch movies like this and i don't want it i want a an ending wrapped up but you know like inception i, I didn't think was as an amazing film as the rest of the world thought it was i didn't like it either it's but I... it's but it's kind of like the ending you know that that top that didn't fall the people that thought i hate the ending did it fall or not it's like well this is the point okay, of what some, they're doing there's some there's some precedence for that in literature though it's not ending a story and letting the person Who's reading the story come up with the ending? Letting the but isn't that ret- what's kind of going on here? But that's that's the no thing that because there has to be an actual story to begin with. Yeah. Well, that's the thing too. I mean, you obviously you have the sticks and the weird symbols. You have the rocks, but then you don't really have a hint of who's causing this. You know, at least you should have a hint of who the antagonist is. You don't have to spell it out or completely show that antagonist early or in the Ever, middle for that mm-hmm. or even at the end, if you just had what Stu was talking about, those possible other endings with the, the children, or maybe it's, you know, they, they show rust and par earlier in the film. Then they show him at the end, mm-hmm. just do something, you know, um, this happens, uh, a lot in exorcism films where you don't necessarily see the evil, but it's effective because mm-hmm. you see the effects. Well, you like, see the effect of the evil, absolutely. And yeah, in like, this, you don't even really see the effect of the like evil. Like, obviously, though. in the Halloween episode, we uh, we did The Exorcist, and the exorcism of Emily Rose, I think, is also very effective. At not, It's not like the devil just shows up in a bar and says, oh, hey, guys, I'm just over here being evil. <laughs> yeah. but you, see the, you see the effects. What do you think the devil would drink? Arrogant, arrogant whiskey, arrogant bastard. Even though it's I, no, I think, no, I think bourbon Zima, Zima. <laughs> no, yes. I would, I would say, Zima. I would say, um, arrogant bastard. Even though um, stone, that's a that's a gargoyle, not the devil. It's the closest thing I can think of to a devil that's on a beer bottle. Maybe he would see it and be like, no. ah, yes, that's related to me, Zima. <laughs> but I might be his buddy if he drank. Arrogant. I'm gonna have to say, I'm gonna have to say, uh, Bush in a. Wow, he's been off the uh. sauce for a few centuries. What happens when the devil relapses? Oh my God, that is that is a movie, right there. Write it, write it down. Can we can we work Only that into if the, Al Pacino plays the devil? Again. Can we work that into? Oh uh, yes, and he's gonna scream a lot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the devil goes to Betty White. <laughs> Betty Ford, <laughs> you mean? <laughs> yeah, 
Betty White. Betty yeah, White. Betty White. That's a whole different movie. The Devil Goes to Betty White. <laughs> I think the That'd Betty awesome. White Institute would be people who are like addicted to wicker. <laughs> They're trying to overcome their cool. doily That's a Saturday Night Live episode in the making. Yeah. We're here at the Betty White Institute where we have people who are completely addicted to wicker. <laughs> so And pet meds. And pet meds. <laughs> That's no joke, man. So I guess oh, no. earlier in the movie... All right, stop laughing because we're going to have to talk about Blair Witch again. I know. Oh. Stu was about to start having fun. No oh. fun's allowed. Though. So I guess earlier Whatever. in the interviews they mentioned that Rustin Parr's house burned down. So they're mysteriously led to this house, which is kind of interesting because that's the supernatural aspect. It was his summer home. Yeah, it was his summer home. It's a fixer-upper. It was his cabin oh, yeah. by the woods. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Oh, we have not done that movie. It was his cabin in the woods. Yeah. Oh, yeah. man. I can't wait He for found that. a mysterious yeah. book with a recording below, and it'd be cool if they had deadites in this film, but they didn't. All yeah. they needed was somebody with a banjo. I'm ready for the mashup. Yeah, <laughs> e- Evil Dead <laughs> meets <laughs> Deliverance. <laughs> Evil Dead, Blair Witch, Deliverance. That would be a hard R. That would be a hard R. Squeal for me. Squeal like a boomstick. So, I will admit that when they show this house, this is kind of the forced, like, all of the buildup is, like, it's it's boiling. Sure. Our, our uh, stock pot is boiling, and we're in the house. Something absolutely has to happen. And even though I do like the ending, I will agree, nothing, nothing <laughs> happens. They, yeah. You know what this reminds me of? Um are you guys familiar with the book Catch-22? Of course. There's a sequel. The sequel's called Something Happened. Mm-hmm. One of the most famous or infamous reviews of the book was Nothing Did. Mm-hmm. Right. That's kind of how I felt oh, about yeah. Blair Witch. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. And the ending, too. Like, I, I was feeling hopeful, too, when that house came up. I was like, okay, well, let's see what they do with this. Maybe they'll wrap this up in a way that will make you watch the film again and see the other scenes in a different light. But mm-hmm. no... You know what's kind of interesting? The research that I did for this film was almost more exciting than the, the actual the film. film. Itself. Yeah. <laughs> and it sounds like I'm I'm criticizing it, and I am, because I've been talking for 40 minutes about how I love it, and I do. But, you know, you, you see these things like, you know, the uh, the director shook the tent. Like Okay, as far as is... how the film was made, I think that what they had, what they did with it, at, at with what they had, I think was very well done because they were obviously on a limited budget. They built in tension. I'm not going to say that there was not tension in this film. There was obviously a buildup of tension. There was obviously a buildup of to, – to something, right? Mm-hmm. And, and I think that what they did – I think the idea of a handheld camera, brilliant. I do, truly. But you have to finish it. You have to bring it to some sort of fruition. And I don't want to keep beating the same dead horse because... Well, I, I keep I, reviving it, so I, you I know, can't but, be blamed. Well, I mean, but it's the truth. I mean, we come back to the point where I, I, I admire what they did. Obviously, everybody else up until the... I, I, I would have loved to have been in a theater and actually watched it in a theater and had people actually come out and react to it in real time right after they had seen it for the first time. With full-blown motion With, sickness. W- whatever it would have been, right? Because at that point, I would have been like, okay, I would have been the loudest person leaving the field theater going, what just happened? And why did I spend $12? 
No, like, this was 99. It would have well, been. Here's what the I dollar would say. theater was still operational. Remember that? Westlake Cinema? I, okay, I was living in Chicagoland area. It oh, didn't okay. exist up there at that point. Yeah. And, well, here's well one. okay, here's the other thing. I never would have been able to go to see it in the theater. Anyway, I had a one-year-old kid at home, so that was never going to happen. Here's what I would say, too. A lot of times, if you want to leave something Sorry, to Spencer. the imagination... Sometimes found audio is much more effective than actual found visual footage. I'm thinking of, like, well, Evil Dead when, you know, he's listening to those reels. And also, Session 9, Jimmy. Session 9, the the found um, interviews of the patient. Yeah, I didn't see Session 9. You haven't uh, seen that one? Uh-oh. I thought you recommended that to me no, once. No, I didn't. I know of the mo- It's one of those that I keep surpassing on or I keep passing up on Netflix. You yeah. should really check that one out because— It's not Quarantine. Which I've seen is that, that the one, one that where they're in the, in the, in the elevator or whatever? They're stuck in the hospital or the elevator or whatever? Uh, yeah, they are for a while. Yeah, okay. I would say, even though it's not a found footage film, Session 9 takes some of the elements of Blair Witch, like tension. Obviously, it's these men going to clean out a mental facility, and they're clearing it of asbestos, and it's a small crew, but it's this huge building, so of course they wander around, find dark corridors, and probably the most terrifying part is the footage of a young woman who's being interviewed and she lapses into three different voices. One's her own voice, one's the voice of a little boy, and one is Simon, who has a deep manly voice. And if you just go to YouTube... Simon Cowell? Just Simon. If you go to YouTube and you listen to the whole tape, it's actually pretty frightening. Okay, fair So enough. even if you don't watch the film, I would say if uh, you're into horror-related things and you want to taste what Session, Session 9 is about, mm-hmm. go check that one out. Okay, and that came enough. out, I think, in the early 2000s. Mm-hmm. Okay, here's another thing that is completely unforgivable about this this movie. <laughs> <laughs> Dude was just waiting. Completely unforgivable. It completely spawned a whole generation of reality TV shows where brain-dead individuals take night vision cameras into abandoned facilities to find ghosts. I'm sorry. Yeah, if you're I, going I to go find predated. a ghost, you do not go into these places at night. A ghost doesn't know whether it's night or day. You well, can not see if them it's a at residual any t- haunting. Oh my god. Jimmy, please tell me. You no. see the residual hauntings is someone who, say, died on the stairs and they moved from point A to point B. They're not aware of their existence or any outside You're force. making me old, Jimmy. I'm just speaking from science. Science? <laughs> I can't back you that can't, up. You can't back that <laughs> up. You know, can't you back can't back that up, that up But at I all. do remember sneaking into the Bartonville uh, hospital like at, because of this movie. Spawned from this movie. Ten- but I don't think that that's a terrible thing. I think that it, ins- it inspired and, it, uh, I mean, u- utilizing imagination on a level that I had never seen, like, past. And, I mean, I, I still rarely see it. A film with so much you know what- heart and so much passion and, like... The fact that the director put speakers throughout the woods and uh, was doing the sounds. My the speakers. you know what my yeah, favorite and, part yeah. is. And, and and you were discussing as two different entities, and I get that, and I I do that kind of as well. But I feel like this whole like production and imagination and hands-on and practical effects world is so powerful to me that it like transcends into the film, and it kind of uh, allows certain things to be forgivable and i don't i mean i just i just don't have a problem with a lot of the things that you did that's what it comes down to okay. well no that's i'd fine. say and, the and best again, part of the yeah. film is the part in the curse of the blair witch which isn't part of you know the actual blair witch project film uh curse of blair witch the fake documentary about 
Blair Witch Project has this <laughs> a 19 fake documentary yeah. about a fake documentary. Yeah, they they have this right, 1970s um, Wiccan witch, and he's a guy. He has like this open shirt, like this open purple shirt, long yeah. hair and glasses. He's like talking about the Blair Witch, it's like how she was, you know, unjustly persecuted. And that's the best part about this yeah. film, if by extension. And that's probably not a good thing. Uh, wow. So we haven't even talked about the Blair Witch Project too. Book of Shadows, which it's free I saw because I have never seen it. Um, I don't. Please don't watch it. Seriously, and I, will not I, watch I love it. you, and I you are my friend, and I don't want you to watch it. It's equally as meta as what Ben was talking about. It is a group of filmmakers who flock to Burkittsville, Maryland, to find the original group of filmmakers, right? Who were looking for who the original Blair coincide? <laughs> like they also get stalked. <coughs> But yeah, so I guess back to the fan theories here. I like the idea that, you know, they said that Rustin Parr was lured. He was, you know, entranced by the Blair Witch. The Blair Witch never killed anybody. She was um, an entity that just, she's like a siren. So I like the idea that Josh might be under the influence of the Blair Witch and he's screaming as he's pulling his own teeth out or that he's screaming to lure them to the house. Either way, they happened upon the house, which I which I find to be interesting. And when the camera goes down the stairs at the very, very, very end, yes. there's no sound of the footsteps. It, the camera very fluidly moves right, down the stairs. Right. So, Well, when, okay, wouldn't that have made the film a little bit more interesting if there was like a... I'm sorry, piles of rocks, mysterious stick figures things attached to trees. Again, M. Night when, Shyamalan could have not ruined this film any worse than what... It, I mean, he really could not have. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't and have that's to saying be, something, because he ruins just about everything. <laughs> you, it wouldn't have to be a jump scare, but let's just say they got lost and somehow wound back up at Coffin Rock, and there were like they saw like the outlines of bodies, like hints of the stories mm-hmm. that have been told or like before. like they had gone through some sort of like time loop and like found the bodies or the original. Which I think, I think the only hint was... Uh, in certain scenes, you could hear um, children's voices. I think Josh even mentioned it because he said, "Oh, there's like a there's like a kid out here, there's like a baby crying or something like well, that." Well, yeah, there was. A I scene. did hear that. Yeah, there was that, that little scene. Yeah, that scene. I'm almost ashamed. No, I'm not. That scene totally made the hair on the back of my neck stand up when you hear the little laugh and she goes, <gasps> and then it's a little bit louder. But it was like it's it it's if there was more of that. Mm-hmm. If there was more of anything other than just them scolding each other being angsty uh, you know pretending or imagining things that are not there but if there was more of what you just described in any sort of detail throughout this rest of this film that would have made it infinitely more interesting yeah that would have hooked me just that much more and that would have made the end a little more forgivable well, they do that now to an extreme degree with the paranormal activities, and I would rather Too much, see I would what. Say. Yeah, I was going to say this is this this film as far as you know. Just we'll just put it in, uh, as far as the horror goes, is about the most basic recipe or formula that you can have. If you have any, if if this film was any less, it would be. Uh, it, it, it couldn't be any more than twenty minutes. That's why I think it was it, mismarketed. Because yeah. I don't really think it's a pure horror movie. There, no. the most of the time it's is a psychological spent on, thriller, thriller. Yeah, yeah, most of the time is spent on this tension within the group and their uh, gradual unraveling mentally. But the horror is almost just like 
The a horror really is what small, they brought with small them. Percentage. If there was any horror at all, it's what they brought with them into the woods. And I'll be honest with you, if it, this is and I, it's Hansel and Gretel in the woods is what mm-hmm. this is. There, there are a couple some lost kids in the woods looking for the witch's hut, and they find the witch's hut, and nothing happens. Sorry, I won't say that again. No, no, that's happens. okay. I, I think no that if you showed this, I think that movies that are so incredibly basic on this kind of level, if you showed a younger generation these movies, I think that they would be bored to tears. And I think, Again, well, Stu was bored to tears, but I, but it, I was bored to tears. No, it, but it's, you, it's you, okay. you, 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 you appreciate and you understand, you know, this production value. I mean, like... Right. Somebody that was 15 or 16 that was watching this now would think it was really it was crap. They would it was think, crap. what is this? Yeah, I mean, what... why didn't they get more money it to really make depends. a better movie? Right. It really That's depends. how 12 year olds talk, by the way. <laughs> it really depends on, you know, the 15 or 16 year olds. Mom, why don't you pack my lunch? It's just like, kind of uh, sounds like uh, Louis Anderson a little bit. It's kind of just like with music. You remember though. Louis? Life with Louis? Well, of course I remember Life with Louis. <laughs> it's like with music, if the parents introduce them to the good stuff early, I mean, they may not have that standpoint you know yeah. well they, they may still have that standpoint with the Blair Witch like if they've seen any of the let me bring up the Microsoft Word document I was just looking at the movies we did for the Halloween episode uh, Hellraiser The Shining The Exorcist being the older ones and even the Let the Right One In which mm-hmm. is really really good you know for yeah. a and that was another film. great example of uh, how independent film can be really effective oh geez yeah but I mean Blair Witch and this are, are very hard to light years and away from each other did anybody see that the Blair Witch has an original soundtrack what was that is it just shuffle a bunch shuffle, of... shuffle I'm eating a leaf shuffle 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 it's I'm like eating a, full a leaf 13 13 song like real sound. it's just movies that are songs that were around in 99 oh is that all it was I guess I thought that the was whole end credits there's no are movies. just <laughs> there's no music at all I mean yeah it's just... well, there's that one song as they pull up I don't even remember that. I remember it just being ambient noise most of the time, and then their dialogue. Yeah. That's one thing that well. kind of drove me crazy, but it, it goes with, with found footage. It's, I love analyzing the soundtrack, and even times, uh, even at times listening to the soundtrack outside of the film, like I love listening to the Fog soundtrack. Um, basically, any John Carpenter film, I'm going to be listening to the soundtrack. This didn't really have that. Oh, The Shining, you know, The Shining soundtrack. Anything the Shining Kubrick. had a decent soundtrack. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Well, why don't you okay. why don't you break up the monotony? Do you have do you have your selection for yeah. next week? Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. 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 here we go. Here we go. Let's let we have not as of yet done an animated film. Oh, can I can can we guess? Go ahead. Spirited Shoot. away. Very good. Yes. Dumbo. Yao Miyazaki, Spirited Away is what we're going to be doing for next week. Excellent. Yep. I've used it in my classroom while I was teaching, and most students were like, what is this crap? When it first comes on, and by the end, they were like, I want more. And these are jaded teenagers. Yeah. That's so, got to be that's got to be a great feeling. And if you're not familiar with Miyazaki, please, please, please make yourself familiar with Miyazaki. His work is brilliant. It is absolutely stunning. He does not rely on on computers. No offense to Pixar or Disney or anything else, but he does not rely on computers. Almost 100% of his movies are hand-drawn. They are gorgeous. And in 2001, Spirited Away won the Animated Film Academy Award, and with good reason. It is a brilliant story, and I cannot wait to talk about it. That's awesome. Yeah, I was just on the website today and saw uh, Spirited Away on your top five. And I thought, I'm surprised we haven't done that yet. Today I found out that 
in the product uh, at the end of the making of Toy Story Two. Yeah, one of the animators effed up real bad, deleted the entire project. Like before they had started, like uh, I don't know in what in what stage they were, but they had already finished all of their editing and everything. Or was it just yeah? Oh, and oh, so no, there was a woman who was on maternity leave who was like super pregnant, and they got a panic. She got a panic call from whoever the yeah. production head was, and she's like, oh, I saved all the files before I went on leave. <laughs> and so she had all of the data files on save. Well, duh. You, anytime you're doing something like that, you should do that way anyway. I mean, save that's it on a just... server. I mean, today in today's world, saving it on a server, maybe. Put it on like the cloud, server, bro. Would cloud, probably make yeah. more sense. Put that all up on the cloud. Yeah. That's, that I would still be don't a server. entirely trust it. That would be a server. That would be yeah. a server. Yeah, that would be a server. You're right. Just wireless, and you can do it from anywhere. All right, so we got about three more minutes. Uh, I don't even know if we need to go around the room, but we're going to do it. Yeah. All right, We're going to like it. You tortured me, Ben. Go ahead. Well, I would just say I appreciate the fact that they tried something different with the Blair Witch Project because if they hadn't done that, maybe, you know, I wouldn't be able to uh, have a, a film like Sinister to enjoy if you guys aren't familiar with that one. They use found footage in certain scenes so it's pretty much okay. We have stylized shots mixed in with found footage, but the found footage part is incredibly creepy. Outside of that, I really didn't connect with this film. You know, I I tried to, I guess, check out all the horror movies that are labeled deemed important. This one just like to me fell flat. Like they had such a great setup, but the end was such a great disappointment. I can understand why some people might like it if they play more into the psychological aspect of the three characters, but my whole thing was I was rooting for the witch to off them within the first, you know, ten minutes of them being in the woods, and that's not a good thing. No, it is not, and I am right there with you. Uh, Okay, for the fact, we all know how I feel about it, so I won't go too much into detail, but I will say this. I I do appreciate the fact that it did open a whole new door for for found footage films, and it did open the door for films like, uh, for instance, District 9. That's kind of not a found footage film, but it is a lot of that is filmed from uh, obviously it's taken from somebody taking film as they're going through and telling the story as part of the film, not just not just a third person telling. There's somebody there actually videotaping or, or recording what's going on. And, you know, um, so many others that are out there now that I can appreciate on a much more, not necessarily scary level, but a, uh, as far as from a, uh, an artistic level, I preach and appreciate that much, that much more. I just, I, for this film, I, I, I get what they was, they were trying to do, but I don't even appreciate it artistically other than the fact that it opened that door and it really allowed people to kind of spread their wings and do their own thing. Well, I totally second all of that. And I also enjoy, I guess, challenging myself sometimes and and what I can get through and trying to play devil's advocate and deciding I'm going to find something I like from, you know, every movie I watch, whatever. But, you know, this this found footage is now a subgenre that I don't know if Blair, I don't think Blair Witch created it because Ben was talking about that um, cannibal Holocaust Holocaust, and then that Vietnam movie. But these subgenres can only be created when somebody has an idea and they take a risk and you know they they take a gamble and now you know with this resurgence of you know man of steel works so we'll do another man of steel and then there's whatever the bad guy was in man of steel it's like well he worked too so let's just do one of those 
Uh, and I like them. I do like them. But movies like this don't come out a lot. And I I just I appreciate the the imagination and the creativity and uh... all right okay this we're done the... we're done talking about the Blair Witch Project no no this is the third this is the third podcast in a row or third broadcast in a row you brought up Man of Steel and how much you're annoyed by it I think we're gonna have to touch on that one at some oh. point we might actually have to have a psychologist come in just to give you maybe a little I'll therapy choose Man of Steel over. for my next section no. for my next should election. I mention that the See, because I actually enjoyed that to some degree whereas you. Didn't like it. I enjoyed it to, for the most part. So, and that's why movies are important, kids. <laughs> All, All right. right, everyone. That's about it for us. I'm Jimmy Malone. I'm Stuart Randolph. I'm Ben Snowden. And this is Movie Joe. Theater. Theater.